0: Welcome to Soul Forum. I'm Dan Center.
1: And I'm April Bell.
0: And together, we co-host a series of conversations and reflections that explore the unfolding search for that sense of soul, the way folks from all walks of life stumble into or construct or give shape to what they describe as their most authentic self or their spiritual sense of things or their own wisdom path.
1: What I really love about this introductory series that we call In Search of Soul is the diverse ways in which the folks we interview describe how they awaken to all of this in their own lives. From the college student to the 87-year-old environmental activist, married couples, those in mid-career, every story and reflection opens up some new window in how we might all find our way into an experience of our own individual or collective soul.
0: Episodes include my reflections on the conversations that integrate insights from poets and theologians, philosophers, and even my 35 years of experience working with all sorts of folks in search of a worthy spiritual path.
1: And I am honored as the founder of a storytelling and wisdom keeping project to spend time with each of them to allow their life story to help give you a sense of how every moment of life can draw you into your own sense of soul.
0: Soul, it's that integrative force that so many experience as a guiding principle or an orienting force in their lives. So give yourself a moment to journey a little deeper into the human experience. Welcome to Soul Form. In this final episode, I sit down with Don and Carolyn and explore the way that our lived experience of life, its grounding you know, within our family systems, the cultural context in which we each find ourselves, um, kind of all the personal experiences that accumulate over life, all of those circumstances, they all kind of well up uh, with each unfolding moment of our life and the way in which our sense of soul or our spiritual perspective or even the religious system that we adapt can kind of serve as a a container or a bowl into which those experiences sort of find place and sort themselves out and the way in which we make sense of them. But what we find again and again and again is that at some point that container just can't seem to hold all that you are becoming. And you realize that you need some kind of more expansive bowl or a, or a wider holding place or something like that, that no longer can it kind of contain all of your lived experiences. And that those lived experiences will in fact invite you into your own soul's journey. So in this final episode of In Search of Soul, here we'll pick up with my reflections on that conversation with Carolyn and Don. That we don't have to be super anxious about our spiritual journey because our spiritual journey kind of wells up to meet all of us within our experience of life. So it's not as if we have to pick the right path necessarily, even though I've tried to pick a lot of paths that I thought were appropriate. It's almost like the path rises up to meet us as we are in touch with our own experience of life. And, and I think there's some, there's some wonderful grace in that, uh, wisdom in that. And it also becomes a spirituality that's deeply tethered to your own uh, context, your own place, your own story. And so it has a vibrancy to it that I think is beautiful. And in some ways, I think religious institutions, if you want to if you want to look at their best side, is an attempt to kind of respond to this sort of, um, what would you call it, like religious impulse at the heart of the human experience that we all have, and that's been around since the beginning of time, right? We have this religious impulse, and yet religious systems sometimes respond and say, well, let's kind of... Um, get clarity about that for all of us, right, collectively. And then sometimes it's used in bad ways, I think, in cultures. Um, But at its best, religion can be kind of like, function like an artist. It paints a picture of our collective vision of how spirit works and then tries to contain it in this sort of picture of reality. Where religion goes bad is when it says that picture becomes then normative for... um, for a large group of people and it, and it becomes rigid and it doesn't allow uh, capacity to be exchanged or expanded. And Carolyn in particular noted that and Don and Carolyn grew up in the same small town and they said their religious experience growing up was all about sort of the no, no, no of religion, right? Don't do this, don't do that, stay in this silo. And that very restrictive kind of formal way of thinking about religion Uh, fit them when they were growing up. It was the container that held their spirituality. But over time, and this is what I want you to think about, over time, their experiences begin to draw them out of that container. Isn't that beautiful? That experience itself in life, your experiences, whatever they happen to be, can draw you out of one container and kind of invite you into another space. For Don and Carolyn, that was their experience as they um, were growing up in that town which uh, religion functioned for them too restrictively. So, two things came out of this conversation that I think are appropriate for today, and one is that idea of experience and how it fits into this. And I would say, I I didn't grow up playing cards, but I I got, I, I married into card playing, so to speak, and one of the things I learned in card playing is there's a thing called a trump card, that if you have a hand, they set Trump and then that becomes this Trump card, which is like picked out of the blue, right? You just flip a card and that's Trump. And Trump can overcome things like the Queen and the King and the Ace, right? If you can if you have a Trump card, it has this capacity to alter the way the hand is played. <laughs> I hope you're getting the metaphor here. So Experience, in my opinion, as I've talked to Don and Carolyn, experience, I think, functions like that trump card, right? Your experience, your experience in life, all the good ones, the bad ones, the challenging ones, the joy-filled ones, your place in life, your geography, all of that experience ultimately is the trump card, I think, that carries a huge amount of weight in the way in which the evolution of your own spiritual journey is going to unfold, and, and what that means, I think, is this invitation to really tend to your experience of life, right? Be, be present for your experience, listening to the rhythms of your own experience, the feelings that your experience lifts up in your life. Allow them to settle into that container and see how it brings new shape to the way in which you create your sense of Soul or spirituality, uh, the structures that hold that, the patterns or rituals you engage in to be able to support all that you begin to fill up that bowl with, and I think that's the powerful thing I learned uh, talking to both of them. Let me talk a little bit about their experience to to give you a sense of of kind of how that works. For Don, he grew up in the same town as Carolyn, and it was, a, it was I don't know how big the town was, but. When Don described his experience of that town that was his town, he felt, in a sense, marginalized in that space. They weren't financially well off, and so they weren't part of the kind of the inner circle of town. So he always felt a little bit like an outsider, a little bit like the underdog. And that experience of life, he said, helped him to see that for him, his spirituality is really grounded into tending to a container or town or spaces that make room for the marginalized, for the underdog, for the person who can't find place. And because that experience in his life was so powerful and so rooted in his own youth, that became one of the things that's sort of like uh, the trump card, right? That's something that's always gonna be there for him. And so his spiritual journey is always gonna have that sensitivity to those who are longing for place within town, right? Within, within the bowl that holds him and which ultimately holds each of us and the wider bowl that holds us all, right? How do we create a township that can hold all? A perfect example of the way in which this happened for Don was um, when he grew up, he was, uh, of course, living in a place where if you were a baseball fan, uh, you would uh, be a fan of the Phillies. I mean, that's where he grew up. That was the hometown team, right? And so Don was a Phillies fan. And just like everybody else in town, that's who he was. That was the bowl that held him. But then something happened on April 15th in 1947. And Don mentioned this in our conversation and how powerful this was for him when Jackie Robinson, the first African-American, was drafted by the Brooklyn Dodgers. And this is a huge moment in baseball history that somebody who didn't have access to that level of play was brought in to play first base for the Dodgers. And Don said, I then became a Dodgers fan. I changed teams, right? I changed teams because somebody in that town created space for the marginalized, for the person who couldn't find place inside uh, the world of baseball. You can feel the way in which he was able to respond by adapting the, the bowl or the container that held his reality. Uh, by switching teams, right? By changing so I could live into a different sense of how town works. The beautiful story. It was reinforced by the way in which Don dropped me in the car with Carolyn and we took a tour of his town, the place where he lives now. And Don and Carolyn couldn't help uh, but drive me around town and particularly take me to coffee at a place called Big House Beans and how proud they were that Big House Beans had set up a coffee shop and a small uh, bakery in their town. I don't know if you know about Big House Beans, but Big House Beans is a coffee company that was started by an ex-convict who tried to create a company that would then do job training for other ex-convicts as they came out of San Quentin. And they could begin to find their way back into society And for Don, how important it was to go to that place in his town to show me is a beautiful indication of how his experience of life begins to shape his sense of what town is supposed to be, what the container is supposed to be. And what I'm trying to help you at least reflect on today is thinking about what are the experiences that you've had and the moments and the memories that you need to honor in order to allow for the intrinsic capacity of the spiritual life to shape the bowl that holds you, right, that's the point here. I I think that's just a beautiful testimony to that. Don would put it this way, and this is the way I think, while it's not religious language, because Don would say, look, I don't really care that much about theology, I care mostly about being a good neighbor. And he used this line after he said that, he said, that's a big part of who I am. Isn't that a beautiful way to frame kind of the crux of the religious experience, right, of this religious impulse? What is the big part of who you are, right? For Don, that was it. And his, the shape of his spirituality, however you defined it, was going to have capacity to hold him and others in such a way. What was a big part in Carolyn's life was a little bit different. Her experience growing up was one that was uh, was grounded in a, uh, a beautiful family system, particularly her grandfather and her aunts, uh, relatives that she grew up knowing and loving that literally reached beyond self and service to others in ways that were like ahead of their time. She was passionate when she told me the story of her grandfather who, if you remember, and I think this is probably linked to the Armenian genocide, who went to Armenia to work on these alternative uh, places where the fleeing Armenians could be without being, um, in a sense, having a different religious structure imposed on them, a, a new cultural heritage imposed on them. Basically, that genocide was trying to wipe out their lineage altogether, and her grandfather uh, takes it upon himself to go and try to be an alternative way for those people who experienced that genocide so long ago. And that that story was a legacy story for her, and then that legacy story lived in her family system. Her experience of family was about not just creating a beautiful family together, but really creating good citizens, those who look out for each other and that good citizen story sits at the heart of who she is as well, and it helped her to see that all of the smallness of the religion in which she grew up in could no longer contain this gift or this wonder of being able to be uh, open and available to others. And for Carol, in this capacity, to be able to just simply walk alongside of someone, to hear their story, and to have compassion for their story, and to respond in any way you can help for their story to unfold in a beautiful way is what Carolyn's all about. It's no surprise that both her and Dawn started a, a hiking group in the congregation that they're a part of, this congregation. Because, yes, you can connect with people on a Sunday morning, but when you walk with them, when you hear their story, for Carolyn, that connected to the experience of life that mattered most to her. That was a big part of who she was. My question for all of us today, I think, and for me as well, is how do we tend to our experiences in such a way that they take the lead in guiding us into our own kind of soul's journey, right? I think there's a there's almost like a, a, it's much more natural way of thinking about how your spirituality is evolving. And yes, you might have inherited a container that holds that, but at some point, uh, whatever's in that container is going to start spilling out over the edges because your experience or your story or your place in life is going to allow a different way to say, I need to change this the shape of this thing so that it becomes more open and more uh, capable of holding the life that I'm living. That was the first thing I got out of this uh, conversation with Don and Carolyn, I I think it's just beautiful and challenging for us all to think about. It's the place of our own experiences within uh, the story that is our soul's story unfolding. The second one, and this leads us to the butterfly story. The second one is um, Carl Jung used to talk about the whole point of religion really is not about securing Uh, some sense of salvation outside of the life we're experiencing, but rather finding wholeness within the life that we're experiencing. Wholeness or balance or harmony. Sometimes I think about it um, from an environmental standpoint. I, I love that throughout the seasons, we move to these places where the season pushes itself to the extremes, but in those extreme places, it, it feels like it could it could get out of balance, right? Do you think about uh, winter solstice when the night is the longest, and you go, you know, if we keep up like this, <laughs> we're gonna lose all the light. Or summer solstice, when the uh, days are just super long and we need the quiet of night to return, the world always then goes back to the equinoxes, right? Where everything falls back in balance again and there's this almost innate sense that the 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 cosmos and we as humans long for that we can push to extremes but we have this innate capacity to kind of find balance or harmony and that you're going to be probably um, motivated whether you realize it or not to kind of seek that out in your own life you know based on the experiences of the trauma or the uh, challenges that you face you're going to seek balance so The thing I kind of picked up from Don and Carolyn is that you sort of have to learn to trust that your body and the cosmic body, right, are going to find ways to do that and attend to how that works for you in your own path. And I'm going to tell you a story about how that worked for Don uh, because it's such a beautiful, I think, uh, story that when Don told it, it was just super simple story. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized it's, a, it's like this mystical metaphor story that reminds us of how this works and how we can kind of entrust ourselves to that. As you think about what are the experiences that fill that bowl of yours and as dis-ease or, or, um, or trauma enters into that or, or that's not quite working, I know I shouldn't follow that path to just honor this sort of call back to the equinox space, right, the equal space and find your way there. So here's the story. Don um, and Carolyn uh, both lost their spouses about the same time and then found each other later on, It's a and it's a beautiful relationship that they have. But Don's, when Don's first wife passed away, uh, he was obviously traumatized by that. It, body, mind, spirit, soul. That was a hard, it's it was a difficult thing to lose, uh, the one who has been your partner for a lifetime. And so something in Don said he had to figure out a way to begin to heal or find balance again, right? To find his way into uh, a town that could hold him even though his life is in disharmony or dis-ease after losing a loved one. So he moves, and I don't know how consciously he did this, but he moved to uh, Peterborough And I don't know if you know what Peterborough is. He had to explain it to me. It didn't even dawn on me. That is the town um, that is in some ways the, the model for the play that was written called Our Town. That's where the play comes from, Our Town. And if you know the story of Our Town, it's a pretty simple one, right? It starts out with people just living everyday lives. And then you begin to look under the surface of those everyday lives, and they become more complex and more intriguing. And then, because somebody passes away in the story, the the story gets more cosmic and metaphorical towards the end. So you you move from this little uh, pebble of a particular time and place in this town to a more cosmic awareness by the end of the play. And so you're just drawn into Uh, the realization of this beautiful experience of life that's actually held in that tiny, tiny town, right, in the tiny moments in that town, but you're not aware of them. You live them as if you could live forever, but you realize at the course of the end of this play that um, everything is present in these little simple moments, and that's the power of our town for. Me, anyway, but you you should go look at it yourself and figure it out. Don moved there to that town, seeking some sort of healing after losing his first wife. And what happened when he got there is he began to pour himself into activities in my town, his town. He went to yoga, joined hiking clubs, uh, worked in the community, and he joined the Nature Conservatory so he could volunteer there. And what did the Nature Conservatory have Don do while he was living in this new town? They sent him out to count butterflies. There's Don, trying to heal, if you will, after the loss of someone he loved so much, counting butterflies. That one little gem of a species that feels like it dies and then is born again over and over and over. And I can't help but wonder if those long walks in the Adirondacks, the quiet pacing of yoga and the counting of butterflies wasn't some sort of uh, intuitive way in which Don found himself back into wholeness again. And then eventually found Carolyn and had a beautiful life that they lived together in Brentwood, their new town, where they'd love to show you around. What, what is this spiritual life that is like gift to us, you know, that invites us, if you will? I think those two pieces are super critical to understand it unfolding in you, to tend to the world of experience that you're engaged in, and then to trust this capacity for moments to open up in the smallest of places that invite you into wholeness. And, And if you're held in a container that can't seem to uh, hold all that for you, then just, you know, you're going to have to find a bigger container. <laughs> you're just going to have to let that evolve. The container is just a container. And, and so, tending to that part of your journey, like Don would say, for him, a big part of who he is, is not about the theology or the construct. It's about being good neighbor. It's about switching teams when you have to. For Carolyn, it's about walking with those next to you in a way that honors their story and learning more about them and building a sense of capacity to love neighbor in such a way (laughs) this is their spiritual path and no it doesn't sound like uh, you know dogmatics or theology it just sounds a lot like life let me close by um returning to wendell berry uh, Wendell Berry was good friends with a painter by the name of Harlan Hubbard, and um, they're both in the same area. Harlan Hubbard was an artist who probably could have been uh, highly educated, made a lot of money, but he chose to live a very simple life and paint simple landscapes. And when you asked uh, Harlan Hubbard what he was painting, he would say, I'm painting heaven. But Wendell Berry goes on to say, he thought he was painting heaven, but the places he painted? Well, was just the Trimble County banks of the Ohio River, or farms and hills where he had worked or roamed. A house's gable and a roof line rising from a fold in the hills. Trees bearing snow or two shanty boats at dawn. The immortal light upon the flowing river in its bends, and these were heavenly because he never saw them clear enough to satisfy his love, his need to see them all again and again and again. My deep gratitude for all of you who have been part of uh, this path with us as we kind of figure out how that search for soul unfolds in all the lives that we've interviewed in this season. Both April and I hope that these conversations, imp- you know, they provide you with a chance to reflect on your own soul's journey and maybe even set you free to explore the edges of your deepest experiences or your expression of life. We invite you to join us for season two coming up in the next few weeks here. We call it Soul Body. Through a number of interviews, we'll try to unpack the way in which our bodies, both our individual bodies, our collective body, and maybe even our you know cosmic body all participate in shaping our sense of soul join us won't you
1: if you enjoyed this episode it would mean the world to us if you would take a moment to subscribe if you're listening on apple podcast leaving a five-star review would be tremendous it truly helps us a lot in regard to being discovered by others This episode of Soul Forum has been brought to you by Storycatcher for iPhone, a fun and simple tool that helps you create shareable keepsake video stories. Be the documentarian in your circles. Find Story Catcher, spelt as all one word, on the Apple App Store. You may attend Soul Forum Live each Sunday morning at Creekside Commons in Lafayette, California. The 30 minute presentation is also live streamed via YouTube and Facebook, where people interact via the chat. After the live stream is complete, for those gathering in person, we then enter into a non-recorded group discussion on the day's topic. We'd love for you to join us for Soul Forum.